0: again, haven't done this in a minute, so I'm going to be knocking off the cobwebs here at the beginning, uh, but I just want to go over a little bit. I'm continuing the series that Pastor Jeremy spoke and started last week, and I'm not even going to attempt the title. If you were here last week, it's, it's like three sentences long. It's ridiculous. I made fun of him for it to his face. I was his roommate. It's okay, but we're just talking about Joseph, and we're talking about favor, And Jeremy last week just sort of gave the origin story for Joseph. Joseph was the youngest of 11 kids. He was his father's favorite. It literally says that his father loved him more than every one of his brothers. If you have siblings in here, or if anybody in here has siblings, can you say that you are the favorite of your siblings? Because me and my wife know who our favorite child is. We're not going to tell them. We just talked to each other about it. But he was the favorite of 11 kids, and so his brothers hated him. His brothers couldn't stand him. And uh, then one night, God gives him a vision and says that not only are you the favorite in your family, you're going to rule over your family. And that didn't go over well either. He goes and tells them the, the dream that he had, and, and now they hate him even more. So one day... His father tells him, hey, go out and find your brothers. He goes out to find his brothers. And when he gets there, as he's walking up, they're like, why don't we just kill him? Then we're done with this. Then one of us get to be the favorite. Uh, And so they hatch this plan. They go to try to kill him. Well, instead, some things happen, and uh, he ends up getting sold to uh, some Ishmaelite traders. And so that's where I'm picking up the story today in Genesis 39. And uh, what I'm going to do this morning, because as I was prepping this message, I was trying to do some extra things. I was trying to add some, some extra um, just other, other connecting stories and everything. And what God kept speaking to me is, is this story is powerful enough on its own. And so I'm going I'm to read this story And I'm going to try to make it relevant to your life. And then I'm just going to testify at the end. Because I believe that's one of the most powerful tools God gave us. And so, Genesis 39.1 says, Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes. He became his attendant. Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted him to the care of everything he owned. From the time he put him in charge of his household and all that he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything that Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care with Joseph in charge. He did not concern, him with in, concern himself with anything except for the food he ate. My favorite part is the end there, because it, it literally says in the NIT or NLT version that uh, he had no worries. Potiphar had no worries, because God put Joseph in his life. But if we break down what, what that just said, we understand that Joseph was his father's favorite. He got this real fancy, nice coat for being his father's favorite. And he had this vision from God. And he knew that, I'm going to eventually be over my family. But now, sometime after that, he's sold into slavery, So, he's literally the furthest thing from authority that he can get because now he doesn't even own his own life. So, I feel like if I'm Joseph, I'm questioning everything that you said to me, God. You you gave me a vision and a dream. Did I I misinterpret that? Did I misunderstand that? Because I went from here, I want to be back at the fancy coat, I want to be back at my father's feet. But now I'm here. In verse 2, it said the Lord was with him. So even though he went from here to here, and you're going to see Joseph's life was one big roller coaster. And I don't envy him. But if we really take a look at our own lives, our lives are a lot like that too. And and, and I'm going to get there. But it said that... um, The Lord was with him, and because the Lord was with him, in verse 3 it said that Potiphar took notice. See, that's how God's favor works. Because he went in and he didn't just say, because I'm going to tell you, I, I, I got called out myself by God while I was writing this message. I just started a job when we moved here at... I'm not, I'm not going to say where it's at. I'm not going to put them on blast like that. That wouldn't be fair. Um, I won't go back there. Um, no, but I, I started a job, and it was just terrible. And it's a job I've worked for a long time, and it was just miserable. And I have never, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm telling you the truth, I have never, ever in my life quit a job without a plan, and I walked right out of there. And man, God just shook me this week because I'm in that place. I go from a job that I I like pretty well in Iowa to this job out here in Tennessee, and I didn't do the Joseph thing. You see, Joseph kept working. He didn't say, oh, now I'm a slave, and I'm just going to step back, and I'm just going to give up because I'm never going to see the vision that you gave me, God. No, Joseph kept on working. I'm not as good as Joseph. I walked right up out of that place. But, but God, but God, but God. That's all. Um, so Joseph finds favor with Potiphar. And see, what, what I love about God's favor is sometimes God's favor looks like a failure. Jeremy said it last week. Pastor Jeremy said it last week. Sometimes favor looks like failure, But if it wasn't for him getting sold into slavery, then he never learns the culture of Egypt. Then he never learns how to be a leader in Potiphar's house. And see, if he doesn't learn that, then you don't, we're not at the end of the story yet. We're going to get there. So he's put in charge, and it says that Potiphar had no worries. No matter where you are in your life right now, no matter what stage you're at, if you are serving the master, then you are divinely put there. What do I mean by that? When I was, I practiced preaching my messages, because if I don't, then again, flat on my face. I'm just who I am. And so, as I'm practicing preaching this, I'm just speaking, and I haven't even written anything down yet. I'm just, I'm just preaching the, the, the Bible, because the Bible And so I'm just preaching the Bible, and and I said this. I said, as Joseph served the master, he gained the favor. As we serve the master, as we serve God, as we give our lives and we put ourselves and consecrate ourselves to God, he gives us favor to reach the vision. But we have to open ourselves up to that. We can't say, God, I want the favor and I want the vision, but I really don't want to do anything different in my life. I want the favor and I want the vision, but I really, uh, you know, spending, spending 20 minutes in prayer seems like a long time. But as we serve the master, he divinely puts us in the place we need to be to succeed. Even if that place doesn't look like success at the moment. Because I promise you when Joseph was in slavery and he was working his tail off to become the person who's in charge of everything that Potiphar had, I promise you that he didn't think, I'm going from this to second in charge of Egypt. I can't believe that that thought crossed his mind one time. Because he doesn't even own his own life anymore. One of my favorite verses is in Colossians, and it's uh, 3, 22 through 23. And Paul was writing this letter to the people of Colossus, and I'm just going to paraphrase it. But it says that you who are slaves, serve your master in everything you ask, they ask you to do. And in doing this, don't do it to be seen by them but do it because you're consecrated to God it says work at everything that you do as if you're working for God and not man and I believe that when Paul penned those words to the people of Colossus that he was thinking of Joseph because he knew the story he knew what happened And so that's what Joseph did. He did everything he did knowing that even if I'm a slave, I'm going to keep serving God. Even if I'm at this terrible, no good job, I'm going to keep going in every week and I'm going to work my tail off. Not for me, but because I serve someone greater. Because what I want you to understand is favor isn't about us. God doesn't give us favor so that we have the nice things. He gives us favor so that we can impact the people around us. You see, I missed an opportunity at that job that I started at because I had the opportunity to be better than the people that were around me. And I don't mean that in a prideful way. I mean that in a, in a humble way where I could go in and work hard and know that the people around me would see something different. Because every other job that I've had, I've gone into and I've worked my tail off. And people say, you know what? There's something a little bit different about you. Literally in Iowa, one of my last days, somebody came to me and was like, why don't you cuss? that's not a big thing. Understand, that's not a big thing. It's just something I've never done. But I was like, it's just, just not important to me. Why? You know, it was, just, it was weird to them. And it wasn't, anything, it wasn't anything big. And through that, I was just, I didn't share God because of that. But I just loved them because of that. And I told them, I was like, look, it's not, it's not, because I think it's wrong. Words are words. If Pastor Jeremy thinks differently, then then don't listen to me. But what I do think is that if it's not uplifting to somebody else, why say it? We could go into our workplace and just not talk about somebody else and now we've done a little bit better today. How easy is it to go into our workplace and get so caught up in the drama, and get so caught up in the, can you believe what Heather did this week? She's nasty. And then just getting into that place, I hope nobody's named Heather in here. If you're named Heather, I'm not talking about you, I promise. I'm still learning everybody's names. Don't judge me. But if Joseph skips that step, if Joseph doesn't go in and work for Potiphar as if he's working for God, if he doesn't go in and work himself into that position, then the end of the story never happens because he's just a slave for the rest of his life until he's sold off to somebody else, until he's sold off to somebody else. But God divinely positioned him in that place. And it didn't look like success at the moment. But you see, you're going to see how it becomes Joseph's success at the end. Here's the thing. God God and the people around you, let me, let me rephrase that. God is not the only person that sees when you have favor on your life. And this is what happened to Joseph. Joseph continues on with his life day by day. And in verse 7, it said that after a while, his master's wife took notice and said, come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns, he is entrusted to my care. No one is greater in this house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? See, God God is not the only one that takes notice when we're actually working. There are people who take notice, and they want to knock you down. See, Potiphar's wife said, yeah, there is something a little different about Joseph, And so she goes after him. And we at that moment get to make a choice. Because how easy would it be for Joseph to say, you know what, I don't actually own anything. I'm a slave. This doesn't sound so bad. But he doesn't. Because in those moments, you have to remember how you got to where you got. He worked his way up, not because of his own the things that he did for himself. He worked his way up because he was working for God. He was consecrated himself to God. And so he said, I'm not not gonna sleep with you because Potiphar gave me this position and I'm not gonna sin against him or God. So what ends up happening is Joseph goes along, keeps doing his thing day by day, and one day he walks into the house, and there's no other servants around. And Potiphar goes for him and grabs him by the cloak, basically says, you're going to come to bed with me? And he said, "Uh uh-uh, and he took off. But when he took off, she grabbed his cloak. So she's holding it when he leaves. So she goes along and uh, starts yelling, hey, this, this Hebrew slave that you brought into our house, he's come to make fools of us. He tried to sleep with me. So now she's changed the story. Because again, when, when you start to succeed, people want to knock you down. People want to take the legs out from under you. And so the servants believe her. And then her husband gets home and she tells Potiphar, hey, look. Same story. This Hebrew slave, Joseph, he tried to sleep with me. And so Joseph gets thrown in prison. And here's the roller coaster life of uh, roller coaster life of Joseph. Is that he went from his father's favorite and the fancy coat and everything. He had the vision of what he was gonna do at the end. He saw that he was gonna be above everything, and then he gets sold into slavery. But then, because God had favor on his life. Now he's the head of the house of Potiphar. And now he's in prison. So you've got you to believe that after the second time, I know I would be like, all right, that's just not going to happen. I definitely misunderstood you, God. There's no way that I'm ever going to... Because I just went from not owning my own life to not even having freedom myself. When I was reading this last night, and I've probably read... Genesis 39 through 41, 30 times this week, just in preparation. I mean, just over and over again, get in the car, turn on my Bible app, start turning it on. And last night, as I'm just reading through it one more time, something stuck out to me when he gets thrown in prison. And it says in verse 20, Genesis 39, verse 20, that Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. And this is the part that I've always missed, every single time, 30 times read through the 31st time I catch it. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. Because God is going to divinely place you in a place where you can succeed. And I'm gonna keep saying that because somebody in here is working a job that you think, man, I'm just wasting my time. But God, if you are serving God, he has divinely placed you there and that is gonna be a stepping stone or that is gonna be the thing that brings you to the vision that God's given you. That's gonna be the thing that brings you to the destiny that God has for you if you just go in and work for God. And believe, I'm not doing this to be seen myself, but I'm doing this to be seen as somebody who is a child of God. He's in prison, and again it says the Lord had favor on him. And so because the Lord had favor on him, he gets put in charge of the other prisoners. It says... The Lord was with him, and he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden put Joseph in charge of all of those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. And again, in the NLT version, literally just says the warden had no worries anymore. You see, it doesn't matter what position we're in, if we are serving God and we are working with all of our heart, then we get to make the people's lives around us a little easier. And that softens their heart a little bit to see us in a different light. That opens up the door for us to be able to share God. That opens up the door for us to be able to say, hey, why don't you come to Pioneer Church? That opens up the door for them to come in, have a life-changing experience, and then change somebody else's life in the city of Memphis in the state of Mississippi, in the surrounding area. But it all starts with you and what you do and what you choose. Because every day we get to make that choice. We get to choose, am I going to go to work and I'm just going to sort of fall into place and just sort of do what everybody else does? Or am I going to go in and say, I'm, you know what, I'm done with the, the monotony. The rest of the story is pretty pretty long, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you the cliff notes. While he's in prison, he meets the pharaoh's cupbearer, and he meets the pharaoh's baker, and they both have a dream. And he interprets those dreams, and after interpreting those dreams, he said to the cupbearer that you're going to go free. Please remember me when you go free. Get me out of here. And so he goes free, and it says that the cupbearer just about immediately forgot about Joseph. So two years later, he's in prison, and the pharaoh has a dream. And the cupbearer finally remembers, hey, the guy Joseph, he's in, uh, he's in jail. He told me about my dream. You should go talk to him. And so they bring Joseph out, and, and, and here's... My favorite part of of that story in chapter 41 is that it says that they brought Joseph out. They had to cut his hair and shave him because he was in charge of all the prisoners, but he still didn't have freedom. So he had authority, but still no freedom. He got a little bit closer to the throne, but he still didn't have freedom. So he's getting a little bit closer to his vision. And so he interprets Pharaoh's dream, and uh, Pharaoh finds out that there's going to be a famine, seven-year famine. And Joseph immediately shouts out a game plan. Hey, this is what's going to happen. You're going to need to put somebody in charge, put that person in charge of all the food, have them store all this food for this much time so that during the seven years we all still have food. Joseph didn't come out and say, put me in charge. He said, you need to find somebody wise, put them in charge. That's what I love about Joseph. It was never about him. Not one thing that he did was about him. He went out to find his brothers because he did it for his father. He worked for Potiphar because that's just what he was supposed to do. And then he comes out of prison and he meets with Pharaoh and he doesn't even say, hey, I can do that for you. I just led Potiphar's house, and I've been leading all these prisoners for so long. I understand, I understand what's going on in Egypt. I have, the, I have the resume. No, he just said, you need to find somebody. And the pharaoh immediately looked at his people and said, is there anyone wiser than this man in the country of Egypt? Is there anyone wiser than, than Joseph? who has the favor of God like Joseph does, and he makes him the second in charge, that there is nobody higher than him except for Pharaoh, and that's only by the throne and the title. Sometimes God's favor means playing the long game. It didn't happen immediately. God gave him a vision a long time ago. And he spent time as a servant, and he spent time as, as a leader of a prison, and then he was made second in charge. And even then, he doesn't see the actual vision of his brothers bowing down to him until way later, in the middle of the famine. God's going to give you a vision, God's going to show you this thing that you're going to do with your life, and maybe it doesn't happen right away. Don't be discouraged. God's given me and my wife a lot of visions to do a lot of different things. And there's some that we've tried to do outside of His timing, unprepared, unready, just ran head on at it. And we failed. We learned, but we failed. Because favor isn't about getting the vision and just going. You have to be prepared to live out that vision. All the time that the long games happen, and Joseph's being prepared, he's learning the culture, he's learning how to lead, he's getting a little closer each step of the way. What I love about Joseph is that even at the end of the story, when his brothers are bowing down to him, he had all of the authority to say, you know, you tried to kill me, I'm going to kill you. He had all the authority to say, you know what, you want food, go home and starve. I'm a little bit of a petty guy. I. It'd be hard for me not to be like, dude... You tried to throw me in a bucket for me to die. I don't think that I want to give you food. But Joseph goes on and says, no, what, what you intended to harm me with, God intended to save many people. Because favor isn't about you. Favor is about the people around you. Favors for the Potiphar's and the prison wardens and the Pharaoh's. Favors for your brothers and sisters that did you wrong. Favors for the boss that you just don't like. Favors for the hard times in your marriage when you're struggling day by day. The misconception of favor is that when you hear the word favor, you just sort of think, you just sort of get everything you want. And I've heard people preach that. You know, if you serve God, then you can have the big, nice boat. I never wanted a boat in my life. If you serve God, you can have the big, nice Three-story house in the in the fancy car and the—that's not what serving God looks like. James said it. James said, "You serve God, you're going to face trials of many kinds." And serving God isn't facing those trials and getting, becoming the the slave and giving up. It's not getting thrown in prison. And giving up. It's not, but what it is, is finding joy in those times. Finding joy when you are at the lowest of the low in your life. When you've been beaten down so many times that you just feel like you can't get up anymore. Because God's gonna pick you up off the ground, but He's not gonna move your feet. That's for you to do. He's going to pick you up off the ground. He's going to say, hey, look, look, here. This, this isn't the end. You becoming a slave isn't the end of it. You becoming a prisoner isn't the end of it. You losing your job isn't the end of it. You not being able to, uh, for us, not being able to find a house, that's not the end of it. You, I'm going to pick you up. You just got to keep serving me and walking in my will for your life. And I'm going to open the doors that need to be open. During campfire nights, God spoke this to me. And uh, I wrote it down. uh, He said, God, uh, I wrote down, God will give you things that you don't deserve while not giving you things that that you think you deserve. God will give you things that you don't deserve while not giving you the things that you think you deserve, favor isn't what we want. But favor is what's going to get us closer to God's vision. I'm going to share one more thing, and this is this this was short. This is a little rough. I already know because. But I believe that I spoke to somebody's heart today. But I just want to share this because I just believe, like I said at the beginning, that a testimony is one of the most powerful tools we have. And uh, when we decided to move, me and my wife, we decided almost a year ago, and we called Jeremy up, Pastor Jeremy, and we said, hey, man, look, we're going to move and we're going to serve at Pioneer Church. And so immediately we started looking for jobs, and we started looking for houses. Started applying for places. And one after another, just, just jobs were, either I would call and they would already be filled, or um, we, we, had a, we had an opportunity at a factory. And, and this was months before we moved, and they're like, you have the job. And I was like, awesome. So I stopped looking, and then nothing comes of it can't even get a letter saying, hey, you got the job. And so, if you don't know when you move, if you don't have a job, people won't give you a house. And so, it's getting closer to time to move. We're we're just literally at this point, please, please, please give us a letter. Just, Just tell them I'm working for you so we can have a home to live in. And nothing. Nothing. Finally, I called the place that I started working. And uh, they, uh, they gave me a letter four weeks later. So at the point they gave me the letter, it was almost two weeks before we were going to move, two, three weeks before we were going to move. And so we're, we're scrambling. We're starting to apply for houses. We're getting denied left and right because it's just crazy out here. And the house that we initially wanted, we found a house that we loved and we called about that one, and they're like, hey, uh, somebody's already been approved for it. Dang. Well, while we're still scrambling, we're getting down to like a week before we're supposed to move. We're, and, and, and my wife looked at me and said, it just doesn't seem like anything's coming together. Are we even supposed to go? Is this something we're supposed to do? So at that moment, we talked about it, and we said, even if God doesn't come through, he's still good. Even if, God, even if we don't have a house, he's still good. We decided she would stay in Iowa, and I would move out here with all of our stuff and faith. With a, a part-time job and, a, and no house, and we would figure it out. And so a week before, we get called, and they're like, hey, look, the people, the the house that we originally wanted, the people dropped out. You guys can apply. So we applied for that house, and we misunderstood some stuff. We were supposed to give some money to them. We missed that opportunity, and so somebody else got ahead of us. So now we're hurt again. We're like, ah. So we get out here. I'm living in Pastor Jeremy's guest bedroom living at my parents' house, going to work, trying to find a home. And every day on the way to work, I'm driving 40 minutes to work, I started listening to this song by Maverick City Worship called Maverick City. Is that it? Okay. It didn't sound right. Thank you, Chris. Called Ways for Me. And the song just says, just It's very simple. It's just, you keep on making, you keep on making ways for me. And everything that you've spoken, everything that you've promised, I ain't seen nothing yet. You keep on making, you keep on making ways for me. So I'm driving 40 minutes to work and I'm just listening to that song on repeat. And I'm just singing it out, and I'm just praising him. Even though I haven't got the house, and I've got a job that I absolutely hate, I just keep on praising him. God, you keep on, you keep on making, keep on making ways for me. You keep on making, keep on making ways for me. And everything that you promised, I know I ain't seen nothing. You keep on making, keep on making ways. And nothing, nothing's happening. And I miss my wife and I miss my kids. I'm like, God, come on. You keep on making, keep, and I'm just singing it every day. God, you're, even if you don't show up, you're still good. I'm, I just believe that you're, you're doing something. You're making a way. You're making a way. I don't see the vision. I don't see how we're gonna get. I don't see how my wife is gonna get here. But you're making a way. Joseph didn't see how he was gonna get there. But you're making a way. I went and looked at another house by the same realty company, and I I called my wife and I was like, "I "I like this one. It's not as good a neighborhood." Probably not really as much room for our kids to run around with as, as we would like, but I like it. So I called the realty company. And I said, hey, look, what, what about this property? Can we just transfer our application over? And they're like, oh, that, that property, uh, it, it, somebody's approved and they're going to move in this week. <laughs> but, but, The second people dropped out for that first property, and we're going to process your application today. Because if we can learn to praise him before the miracle, before the blessing, he's making a way always. He never stops seeing where you're at in your life. It doesn't matter where you're working. It doesn't matter... I'm not going to say it doesn't matter. It, it, even if your life is falling apart and you look around, and you say, God, where are you at? I am literally lower than I've ever been in my life. Where are you at, God? He's making a way out of no way. We don't see the road. We don't see how we get there, but he is making a way and that's why during worship today I'm crying because my wife is here. We haven't been able to go to church for the last year. Because in Iowa, people don't have, like, child care and stuff's not open up. We got baby twins. We're not trying to do church with baby twins. Can I get an amen? amen. God's good. And it doesn't matter if you don't see it right now. God's good. I believe that somebody came into worship today and you said, I, I'm, I'm here, but I'm not here, God. I'm here, but life's been a little rough this week. I'm, I'm going to sing the words because that's what we're supposed to do. But, but I'm not here. My challenge is for you to leave this place and start worshipping through the storm. Because if you serve God and you live out that Colossians 3:23 and you continue to know and believe in faith that God, you showed me I'm going to be this person and I'm not there yet, you're making a way right now in my season, where I'm at with what I'm doing. And that's my challenge. My challenge is knowing that God has favor on your life. And even when you're the slave or the prisoner or your brothers are trying to kill you because they're, they're jerks, that God's making a way. God, I thank you. God, God, I thank you for every person that's here this morning. Lord, I thank you for everything you're doing in this church. I believe that you've given Pastor Jeremy such a big heart for this city and that through this church, so many lives are going to be changed. Through your church, Not this building, but the people inside of it. So many lives are going to be changed. And so I pray that as we leave this place today, I pray that as we talk, and as we meet and we linger here, and we conversate, that we have uplifting, iron-sharpening iron conversations, God. So that we can leave and we can go out there And we can make a difference. I pray for the person who's in a bad relationship, God. And they feel down every day. God, I believe that you are lifting them up out of that place, God. I pray for the people who go to work every day and they say, why am I here? God, I believe that you're doing something in their life. And so I ask you right now, Lord, every person in this room, God, that while we're here, God, that you would just let your Holy Spirit heal hearts today. Help us to leave here encouraged and ready to live out Colossians 3.23, to live out a life like Joseph lived. And God, we give you all the honor and all the praise because there's nobody greater than you, God, because you keep on making ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, i I just, I just want to thank you all, guys. Thank you for being here. Thank you for taking time on a Sunday when you could be sleeping in and coming and hanging out here and spending time in the presence of God. I just want to, if there's anybody here who's never been here before, ask you, there's, there's some connection cards out in the back on the table. Fill one out before you leave. We'd love to connect with you. We'd love to communicate with you. We'd love to get to know you a little more. And we'd invite you to come back next week. I'm excited. We got uh, Cody's going to be speaking next week, and we're just so excited to hear the word that God put on his heart. And uh, I just want to encourage you to have a great week. Amen? Amen. Amen? Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Pioneer Church podcast. Let's go one step further. Subscribe and share this podcast with family and friends and see how this word changes their life. At Pioneer, we believe in journeying together. If you want to support this ministry, go to pioneerchurch.com give to continue to help us to reach people for Jesus. Thank you again for listening and God bless you.